0: Thank you for joining us today on TAG. I'm Matt Littman, Executive Director of Ninety Seven Percent, joined by Ninety Seven Percent Advisory Board Member Congressman Seth Moulton. Thanks for joining us, Congressman. Good to see you, Matt. Good to see you too. Uh, just by way of background, you you went to Harvard, right? Served. Did you get a master's in physics or something? Did I read that right?
1: Uh, my 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 undergraduate degree was in physics. I was, As I like to say, for everyone in life who who sees my resume and not my transcript, I sound really smart.
0: (laughs) And then you went into the military. You served four tours in Iraq.
1: That's right. I was a Marine infantry officer, uh, served four tours in Iraq. I had made the decision to join uh, before September 11th. I just wanted to serve the country. I was inspired uh, to do something to give back um, after having great opportunities like getting to go to Harvard. Uh, didn't know that 9/11 would happen three months after I graduated, but I was proud to go four times to Iraq, even though I had a lot of disagreements with the war.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And then, uh, and then after that, a few years later, you ran for Congress. Uh, you're in Massachusetts. Yeah, I mean, to be clear, this is not
1: where I expected to be by any stretch of the imagination. I came back uh, from the Marines. I I got out. I went to grad school. Went to business school. And then, uh, you know, like every aspiring Massachusetts politician, I took a job in Dallas, Texas. So clearly (laughs) not what I intended to do. Um, But, you know, we've never had fewer veterans in Congress in our nation's history than we have uh, over the past decade. And uh, there's some groups out there that are trying to get more veterans to run. I sort of heard that call and decided, you know what, if there aren't more people with my experience who understand what it means to be in a war, then we're going to keep making the mistakes that I saw made in Washington that affected us on the ground in Iraq. So that's fundamentally why I decided to run. I, I got into a tough race. I didn't realize how difficult it would be to unseat an 18-year incumbent, but I but I won that race uh, back in 2014. And, uh, and this has just been my job for the last six, seven years.
0: And one of the things, one of the reasons we're such big fans of yours, Congressman, is because of something you just sort of mentioned, which is you're not afraid to tell the truth. you when you see something that's wrong, you say it. Um, and I think people really appreciate that about you.
1: It gets me into trouble sometimes around <laughs> here, <laughs> but um, but look, I think Americans deserve more truth telling from Washington. You know they want uh, leaders with integrity. That's certainly uh, the principle that I learned in the Marine Corps, and I swore the same oath to protect and defend the Constitution as a United States Marine officer. That i swore when i got uh sworn in here in congress so i think we should uphold that
0: um you know when we talk about gun reform uh we talk about the fact that uh it's an important issue for someone like me but why is it such an important issue for you
1: look I, in iraq I, I carried an assault rifle with me every single day it was usually one of two um guns that i had on me at any given time so I understand uh, the value of guns. Guns have literally saved my life. I also understand the devastation that they can cause because I've seen it firsthand. And I just think that weapons of war have no business on our schools, in our streets, at our concerts, in our houses of worship. And a lot of Americans agree on this very common sense point of view. I mean, I also had two grenades on me just about everyday in Iraq. And you know what, that might sound dangerous, but I was quite comfortable with it. I knew how to handle grenades safely. Yet we have made a decision in America that ordinary Americans are not going to walk around with grenades because they're weapons of war. You don't need grenades to hunt. Just like you don't need machine guns and assault rifles to hunt. So, there's a lot of people who agree on this common sense stuff we're talking about and have tried to Bring that perspective to Congress.
0: So we're seeing a lot of people talk about the fact that um, you know people need to be armed in Ukraine, and that's an argument here about the Second Amendment: people need to be armed. Are you seeing any connection between that? We do hear this a bit. Is there any connection uh, between what's going on in Ukraine and people needing to arm themselves here?
1: Look, this deserves an explanation. There's almost no connection, but 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 you know. We need to explain this uh, to folks. Um, Ukraine has a fraction of the military uh, of Russia. Um, we are providing a lot of weapons uh, for their support. But although we have provided some small arms, you know, it's interesting. You don't hear President Zelensky or their military leaders asking for small arms for assault rifles. They're asking for Stinger missiles. Right. They're asking for Mig 29s Those are the kinds of weapons that you use to defend a country. There is no country on earth that would land troops on the shores of the United States that would be in some sort of small arms battle with us. What we need to defend the United States, and this is stuff that I work on every single day as a member of the House Armed Services Committee, are sophisticated systems like anti-ballistic missile weapon systems, um, like uh, hypersonic missiles, like advanced artificial intelligence enabled detection systems like F35s intercontinental ballistic missiles those are what we need to defend the united states of america and we're right. fortunately fortunate to have the most powerful professional military in the world to use those weapons i don't think that ordinary citizens should have intercontinental ballistic missiles those are what we need to defend the united states of america
0: i uh, I, I remember that you were critical of the afghanistan withdrawal right Um, but it seems like now we're bringing the world together in a pretty incredible way. What are your thoughts just generally about that?
1: You're right. I mean, look, to be candid, uh, the Afghanistan withdrawal uh, was not only disastrous for Afghanistan and for our allies, uh, some of whom we left behind and are still there trying to get out, an issue that my team and I work on every single day. Um, But it was also really bad for our standing in the world. A lot of people questioned our commitment. Uh, yeah. Question whether we were going to uh, just give up uh, on our allies. Uh, but that has been all turned around by what's happened in the last few months uh, with Ukraine, because the Biden administration has assembled the most impressive international coalition that this world has ever seen. Just about every country on earth is united in condemning uh, Putin's vicious, illegal, unprovoked, and completely needless invasion of uh, his neighbor. And the condemnation has been r- remarkable. The economic sanctions that have been put in place have been devastatingly powerful. And the teamwork that everyone is putting in to doing everything from providing weapons to the Ukrainians um, to showing the world united um, on an economic front, on a, on a, on a personal front, on a, on a moral front, on a, on a you know, small business front even, right, um, has, been, has been really incredible.
0: Do you, uh, when the Biden administration says we're going to send $800 million in weaponry to Ukraine, does that need to go through armed services?
1: Well, what, what our role in this, and we actually just had a classified uh, a briefing uh, a couple hours ago this afternoon, is to essentially be the board of directors for the Department of Defense to supervise, to make sure um, that you know, we're asking the tough questions uh, about how they're conducting these operations, whether they're setting the right weapons, whether they're moving quickly enough, whether they have the authorities they need from us in Congress, right. since we ultimately authorize what the Department of Defense does to adequately support the Ukrainians. We had a great briefing um, from, uh, from basically the number three official at uh, DOD together and several uh, DOD together with uh, a couple of top uh, uh, general officers. And uh, we went in great detail into um, not only the details of what weapons the Ukrainians need and how they're being used and what's working and what's not, um, but also more broadly, you know, what are the strategic implications of right. this conflict? What does it mean for the future of NATO? The future of Europe and how do we ultimately bring this brutal war to an end without uh more devastating loss of,
0: of life? So I could be talk to you about this you know all day, but we'll go back to the to the gun issues here because hra passed about a year ago. Uh we even had Republicans sign on to that piece of legislation, so it was bipartisan, which doesn't often happen on gun issues um and yet we can't even get a vote in the senate congressman so what should we be doing what are we doing wrong what should we be doing what's what's happening here that we're not able to even get a vote
1: well look i mean the the fundamental issue here is a is a lack of political courage uh it's a lack of uh people enough people here in washington willing to tell the truth about uh, uh, about all this. Expanded background checks are a foundational part of, of gun safety. Um, it's just common sense that not every person should be able to buy a deadly weapon. I mean, you have to go through more of a background check to get a library card these days than you, right. than you, than you, than you need to get a weapon in some cases. And, um, and the fact that uh, this we haven't even been able to get a vote on this, I think really proves that um, we need to take a different approach. And some of the work, the amazing work that ninety-seven percent has been doing, has shown that uh, if you know you pull gun owners across the country, um, gun owners themselves, eighty-six percent said they support universal background checks, and that includes eighty-four percent of Republicans and eighty percent of NRA members. So there's a group of NRA activists who control the political money that goes to Congress and influences these people uh, to not even be willing to put their name on a vote to just say to the American people they're supposed to represent. Um, this is what I believe. Uh, but the reality is most even NRA members support these right. comments that reforms.
0: So what can we do differently? Because is, is it a matter of, uh, electing just more people who are in favor of background checks in the Senate? Cause we have, you know, if we had to take a vote, maybe we'd get 54, 55, uh, but we wouldn't get 60. Right. Right. So, right. I mean, sure,
1: look, that is certainly one approach. That is the approach the NRA has taken um, against this common sense reform, right They have uh, established this litmus test for Republicans, and they try to apply it to a few Democrats too, uh, that if you don't blindly support their pro-gun agenda, um, they're going to do everything they can to unseat you, and you're going to lose your um, your seat in the in the Senate. I think one thing that we can do to really change this is to bring the voices of gun owners. Into the field. I mean, this is they're going to have critical stakeholders in this legislation, right? That's who it's gonna right. apply to. And when you recognize that so many of them support this legislation, support these reforms, it just shows that we actually need to hear their voices as part of the debate.
0: Why is it that so many great political leaders come from Massachusetts? <laughs> Why is that? <clears throat> I wouldn't call
1: myself a great political
0: leader. I think obviously. you are I mean, you know, the, the yeah. history of Massachusetts and great political leadership is just incredible. And you're a part of it.
1: Look, I think that there's a I mean, I, I don't know the answer to this question, but look, I'm proud of Massachusetts. I'm proud of the Commonwealth. So I'll hazard a guess. Right. Um, first of all, we have a remarkable um, education system in Massachusetts. And that starts with the public schools, which are rated best in the nation. And then, of course, you have an extraordinary collection of universities. Um that creates, you know, creates an environment, um, not just among people who go to those schools or, um, or or people who happen to run for Congress or whatever, but just amongst people back home for critical thought. I mean, I love doing town halls in Massachusetts because I get tough yeah. questions and you can actually have okay. a legitimate intellectual debate. So if you present a statistic like this and you say, look, this is the truth, like. Gun owners support this reform. People are like, oh, okay," And they have a discussion. They're not just dogmatic um, about believing something they've seen on the Internet. And I think that makes a difference for um, producing leaders who can go to Washington and and speak the truth, speak truth to power. And ultimately, uh, that's what being an effective uh, political leader is all about.
0: Uh, Well, I'm going to go to uh, what we call a lightning round. I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions, Congressman, in the interest of of time here. Um, But this one's interesting. How many illegal gun sales? I don't expect you to get these exactly. How many illegal gun sales have been stopped by a background check since
1: 1994?
0: Oh, Matt, I have no idea. Uh, Yeah, 4 million, which is an amazing number, right? A lot. And then the other one um, is what's the percentage of firearms used for criminal purposes? I'm going to answer this one for you. For criminal purposes that were obtained through transfers from unlicensed unlicensed sellers and the answer is 80 percent yeah I
1: mean, it's gonna be very high
0: yeah it's very high i mean these numbers are incredible so when we talk about things like background checks i mean think about how many how many uh criminal activities we've stopped by having this background check system and i don't hear anybody at this point who should have a gun saying oh my gosh i was stopped by a background check uh, and i can't have my gun
1: that's absolutely right,
0: um,
1: and 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 just like you don't hear people saying um, who know anything about shooting, oh, I really need an assault rifle to kill a deer. Um, but look, I mean, th- this is how we move this uh, uh, debate forward. And at the end of the day, what we're talking about here is not numbers and statistics, but lives. And uh, one of the most striking statistics that <clears throat> that I've seen is that since HR eight was passed in the House, so since this legislation was passed by the House of Representatives. Just to languish in the Senate um, almost a year ago, more than 40,000 Americans have died from gun violence. So, right. I mean, what we're seeing out of Ukraine is so heart wrenching. Kids, innocent women, children, men with great futures, all of these amazing Ukrainian people who are dying. And we mourn their deaths and we're doing everything we can to try to keep more of them alive. Look at how many lives we could save right here at home. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Congressman. I know that the work you're doing on Ukraine is terrific and it's much appreciated. I think I speak for a lot of Americans when I say thank you for your service, both in the armed forces and in Congress. Um, It's much appreciated. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, One thing I always do, Congressman, is that at the end, I always ask if you could tag somebody else that you think we should talk to about guns. So if you have any thought, uh, now on somebody else that we should talk to uh, for tag, uh, who would that be?
1: That's a great question. Um, look, I mean, there are a lot of people, but uh, one person who I think might have an interesting perspective on this is Lauren Underwood. She, she I just think her yeah. office is, is right down the hall. Um, you know, she has an interesting perspective on this because she's a nurse. So um, she's from the Midwest. She's some from from a place where. Uh, this debate is, is alive and well, for sure. Um, uh, but, uh, but she also has a perspective of someone who's been saving lives in hospitals for a long time. So I tag her.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us today, Congressman. Much all pleasure.
1: right, Thank you. Take thank care. You.